the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel, Defender of Zion. Shalom. Last week, we talked about the horrific sadness. Actually, it was two weeks ago of the Holocaust. And then last week, we talked about the state of Israel and what a blessing that has been. So we're going to continue talking about the state of Israel. And let's begin with prayer. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we love you and praise you and worship you and honor you, Lord, because you're faithful. You're faithful to your word, and it's exciting to live with you at the helm, Lord. So, Father, I pray that this message about Israel this week and next week will turn the hearts of everyone to you, Lord, first, and then see that Israel is a blessing. So we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, and give you all the glory. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Okay, today is the beginning of the fourth week of Counting the Omer. Uh, If you didn't get the fifth uh, 50th day devotional booklet, we can send it to you, but probably it'd be better just to get it online at shoreshdavid.org. Okay, and you'll be able to see it there. Before we get started, let me just mention it's a blessing when you can help us financially on this radio program. It, it really is. And you can hear previous messages at heartofmessiah.org. But the thing that really still is on my heart is sending money to the Messianic community in the Ukraine. We're working with some rabbis there, and uh, the needs are just crazy. I mean, it's hard to even explain. So I would just ask that if there's any possibility of you helping us, we've given $40,000 so far, and we've kind of been plateaued here. where I'm looking for another roughly $9,000 so that we can send another $10,000 there. If there's any possibility that you have it in your heart and you'd like to help, please do so. You can, the easiest way is to call our office and speak to one of the people who answers. It can be Karen or Delcita or Ron. And the phone number is 813-831-5673. Would you do that? That would be fantastic. 
<clears throat> you know, counting the Omer comes from Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16. And here we are again. What a blessing it is to every day count the Omer. I, I pray that it's blessing you. So join with me as we count today. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kirishonu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the Universe, who has set us apart by your commandments and has commanded us to count the Omer. Today, oh, actually, it's the first day of the fifth week. Wow. And day 29, I have counted the Omer. The theme for today is, Should I Judge? And it comes from Matthew 7, 1 and 2. It says, Stop judging so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Isaiah 66, verse 5. Hear the word of Adonai, you who trum- tremble at his word. Your brothers who hated you, excluded you for my name's sake, have said, let Adonai be glorified, that we may see your glory. But they will be put to shame. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught doing something wrong, you who are directed by the Ruach, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, looking closely at yourself so you are not tempted also. Bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the Torah, the instruction of Messiah. So the thought for today is when we judge others, be careful, because we will be judged by the the way we have judged. Because we're human, we must judge with a humble spirit. We shouldn't be rude or forceful, but rather have empathy, even in judgment. If all you ever do, this is a quote by... A, a rabbi from California, and he says this. I love, I just, I have this hanging on the wall in my office. If all you ever do is attack someone's behavior, then you're never going to be able to set them free to become who they really are. Accountability is not calling somebody out on their behavior, it is calling them up. To their identity. Wow. That's Rabbi Jason Sobel. Yeah, great thought. I love it. The challenge is sometimes when we judge others, since we think we're right and they're wrong, we take liberties in how we speak and act that are not within Yeshua's teachings. Next time you judge in your mind or out loud, first look at yourself and judge the way you would want to be judged. Our prayer, Lord, give me the wisdom and self-control to be a good and effective judge so that I can encourage people to be better and not convince them that they are bad. May everything I do bring you glory. I know that's a lot to think about in this one, and and you might even disagree, but I really believe uh, this is from God, and it is something we need to think about and pray about and study. Study, yep. 
Well, as I said, we are continuing uh, with a short history of modern Israel. And remember, in 1919, the Jews were promised in the Balfour Declaration that they were promised their own land. And the land they were promised got changed. Yeah, I'd love to show you the pictures because this kind of thing really needs pictures. But after they got promised, then they got re-promised at 78 percent less. In other words, 78 percent of the land they were promised went to Jordan (laughs) and they were left with roughly 22 percent. And not only that, 22 percent was not just what they were left with, but it was also mostly desert. Well, finally, in uh, 1947, the U.N. got involved and proposed a two-state solution with the remaining 25% or 22% that was promised to the Jews and almost splitting the remaining, that percentage, in half again and giving, as I said, the Jews mostly the desert and the Arabs were being promised Uh, a good portion of what was then called Palestine. The Jews agreed, even to that. Yes, they agreed. But believe it or not, the Arabs refused. The Jews, as I said, would have been left with one half of one quarter of what they were promised, plus a lot of desert. Now, it's interesting when we talk about this to see when the countries in the Middle East became sovereign, became actual countries. So Syria was 1924, Iraq was 1932, Saudi Arabia was 1933, Lebanon was 1943, Jordan, which ended up taking all the pretty much most of the land that Israel was promised, 1946, Israel, 1948, and Iran, 1979. Now, also interesting in all of this is in 1945, more than 870,000 Jews living in various Arab states started to go back to Israel. And the interesting thing is you probably didn't realize that so many Jewish people lived in Arab states. As an example, 250,000 alone were from Morocco and 125,000 from Iraq. Wow. Interesting, right? Well, in 1948, the state of Israel proclaimed uh, was proclaimed on May 14th by the United Nations. And believe it or not, the next day, May 15th, five Arab states invaded Israel. So these actually, it was even more than five, but mainly five. All of the states were Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia. Now, the Arab League secretary declared this a jihad, a holy war, and this would be a war of extermination and momentous massacre, which will be spoken of like the Mongolian massacres and the Crusades. The Mufti of Jerusalem said, murder the Jews, murder them all. But 10 months later, after heavy fighting, Israel won. 
As Israel became a nation, they tried to show love to the Arabs living in Israel by asking them to stay and become co-laborers and citizens of the newly formed land. Unfortunately, most Arabs left Israel because the Arab leaders like Grand Mufti and a former, by the way, he was a, a former ally of Hitler. He told the Arab people to withdraw from the land and let the Arab armies drive the Jews into the sea. That would be the Mediterranean Sea, right? Which they attempted to do in 1948. However, as I said, Israel won. Now, this is an overwhelming, there is an overwhelming body of evidence from Arab literature, Jewish literature, British, American sources to prove that far from seeking to drive the Arabs out of Haifa and other areas, the Jewish authorities went to considerable lengths to convince them to stay. During the fighting in the the city in April 1948, the Haganah's truce stipulated that Arabs were expected to carry on their work as equal and free citizens of Haifa. Now, not all of the Arabs left. Many stayed, becoming Israeli Arab citizens. In fact, even today, Israel is made up of 20% of the Arabs who are Arab Israelis, as opposed to Jewish Israelis, right? And Israel's proclamation of independence issued on May 14, 1948, invited the Arabs to remain in their homes and become equal citizens. So let me read to you part of the proclamation that they gave when becoming a state. It says this, in the midst of wanton aggression, we yet call upon the Arab inhabitants of the state of Israel to preserve the ways of peace and play their part in the development of the state on the basis of full and equal citizenship and due representation in all its bodies and institutions. We extend our hand in peace and neighborliness to all the neighboring states and their peoples and invite them to cooperate with the independent Jewish nation for the common good of all. Wow. (laughs) Is that amazing? You don't read about that too often. That is what love looks like, I believe. However, through the years, the Arab countries surrounding Israel kept wanting Israel to be gone from the Middle East. They wanted Israel to literally be in the Mediterranean. Yeah. And there were different issues, like in 1956, there was the Suez Canal crisis, where Egyptian President Nasser nationalized the canal in July, initiating this crisis. And the Suez Canal was closed from October 56 to March of 57. Israel fulfilled some of its objectives as attaining freedom of navigation through the Straits of Tehran which Egypt had blocked to Israeli shipping since 1950. So, but that was dealt with and, and it, it passed. And one of the next things that happened that was really difficult 
was the 1964 uh, beginning of an organization called the Palestinian Liberation Organization. It was founded in 1964, and you might have heard of it as the PLO. And they had two aims. One is to reclaim the land of Israel and destroy all the Jews on the land. So, interesting enough, in 1967... Uh, in in uh, May, the nations surrounding Israel put their soldiers and their armaments on the border of Israel. They didn't attack, but they they surrounded Israel. In fact, Egypt had two hundred and seventy thousand soldiers, and Syria sixty five, and Jordan fifty five, and Lebanon twelve thousand, and Saudi Arabia fifty thousand, and Iraq seventy five thousand. That just gives you an example of the people who were on the border facing Israel. And there were jets available to Egypt, uh, 550 in Egypt, and, and Syria had 120, Iraq had 220. Well, you can imagine that made Israel pretty jittery. So on June 5th, Israel launched a preemptive attack. And the first thing they did was go to Egypt and in three hours, roughly, their entire air force was decimated. Yep. And thus began what is called the Six-Day War. And it's called that because within six days, Israel captured the entire peninsula, the uh, Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, the Judah and Samaria, the Golan Heights, and the West Bank, and the Arab sector of East Jerusalem, both previously under Jordanian rule. Now, by the time the United Nations ceasefire took effect on June 11, Israel had more than doubled its size. Remember, this was prophetic uh, for Messianic Jews as well. This evident, uh, this event uh, sparked the resurgence of Messianic Judaism after almost 2,000 years. You can check that out in Romans 11.25 and Luke 21.24, but the basis of it was that the Jews now had... Um, Jerusalem in their control, and the prophetic scripture says that's when the blinders would start coming off the Jewish people to accept Yeshua as their Messiah. So as we continue through the history of Israel, please pay attention to the Sinai Peninsula. When Israel took it over, it was completely barren. With This was in 1967, remember? With nomads, you know, roaming around, but no cities. Between 67 and 82, Israel invested in the Sinai because they saw it as a buffer um, against Egypt. So... But they found oil and they, 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 because, you know, there's no oil in Israel. And so they, when they got into the Sinai Peninsula, they started 
uh, being able to use oil from the Sinai. They built cities. They harvested many crops from what was barren. In other words, they had farms and they built them. They even provided these nomads called Bedouins uh, schools and medical clinics, and they built an Air Force base. So remember what I just said. In 1973, there was the Yom Kippur War, hoping to win back the territory lost to Israel, the uh, Arab-Israeli War of 67. Egypt and Syria uh, came against Israel on the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur. But after roughly a month, a uh, ceasefire went into effect. Then in 1982, this is critical, Israel decided that they would give up the Sinai and other land in order to have peace. Didn't quite work that way, but that's what they did. So they gave up all their investments of oil and cities and farms and medical centers and air force space, all of that, they gave it back to Egypt. And then in 2005, there was another land for peace. Israel withdrew from the Gaza. That did not work very well since then. Literally thousands and thousands of rockets have been fired from the Gaza against Israel. Now, approximately 90% of them have been intercepted by the Iron Dome, which you might have heard of. But this is a constant thing. If you live in the southern part of Israel in Zderot, they have... Literally, it almost feels like certainly every day, but if not every day, every week, there are rockets coming in to try and destroy them. Well, uh, let me just also mention there's the importance of the Golan Heights. Um, there at the bottom of the Golan Heights, there is Israel's only lake and foremost water resource, and that's in the Kinneret. So that's another reason that's that portion of the land is so important. And um, Judah and Samaria, located on the west bank of the Jordan River, that really provided tremendous amount of needed security for Israel. So a couple other things that we'll look at, uh, Lebanon and Israel, uh, Israel's troubled relationship with Lebanon can be traced to 1948, when nearly 120,000 Palestinian refugees fled to Lebanon, living in refugee camps in the south. Now, instead of helping them, uh, Lebanon just kind of made use of them to go against Israel. And so rather than than helping, as I say, so the abundance of, of refugees and the forceful removal of the PLO leadership from Jordan to Lebanon uh, during the 1970 enabled Lebanon to become a springboard for Palestinian attacks against Israel. In 1982, Israel's Armed forces entered Lebanon to bring peace to the Galilee by driving out the PLO, which was forced to leave Lebanon and go to Tunisia. After the war, Israel created a security zone in southern Lebanon to protect itself from further attack. And in 2006, there was another brief war um, with Lebanon. 
But in 2003, Israel built a security fence, which <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about. And you know what? Next week, we will start by talking about the security fence and other really interesting things about Israel that you probably don't know. So let me close by saying, uh, if you can help us with a financial gift, that's great. But more importantly, if you have money that you'd like to give and you have a heart for Ukraine, I pray that you'll help them and and call our office and and pledge to give uh, money. You know, our phone number is 813-831-5673. And uh, we would love to have you come and visit us on Friday nights and Saturdays. Check out our website, shoreshdavid.org. And bring your Jewish friends. Just come. Uh, We have four locations. Uh, Let me close in a word of prayer. I pray that all those who are listening will grow in their desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah who wept over Israel and wept over Jerusalem. And I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach Lion of Judah, the God of Israel Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.